Lord, we thank you so much for this time together and to open our Bibles and see you today. And God, we ask that you'd speak to us. Lord, you're already moving on our hearts as we've been worshiping you. Now, Lord, we want to hear from you through your word. So, God, we are here surrendered, willing, ready to, to receive God with the word that you have for us. So, Jesus, uh, we bow before you. And we humbly come and we ask for your Holy Spirit to anoint this time, God. Touch it now in Jesus' name. Amen. There's this old story of this uh, captain standing on the bridge of his battleship, and, which was an exercise at sea during some very extreme weather. Just after dark, the lookout he looked out into the fog and the storm, and he spotted a light bearing down on them and notified the captain. Is it steady or moving astern, asked the captain. Steady, captain, the lookout, which meant it was on track for a dangerous collision. The captain ordered the lookout, signal the ship, on collision course, change course, 20 degrees. Well, then a signal came back. Advise you change course 20 degrees. The captain told the lookout, signal him again. I am a captain. You change course 20 degrees. Well, another signal came back. I am a seaman second class. You better change course 20 degrees. Well, you can imagine at this point with this response, the captain was just absolutely furious. So he signaled back, I am a battleship change course 20 degrees and then this signal came back it's your call i am a lighthouse <laughs> well when you're a captain it can be hard to lay aside your right of way as we return to our study in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul explains that even though apostles have certain privileges, he chooses not to push it, not to use it. But for the sake of the gospel, Paul says here in our passage, I lay down my rights. And that's the title of our message this morning, I lay down my rights. I lay down my rights. We're going to be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 1 through 23. We finished up uh, chapter 8 last time, and now we're going on to chapter 9 as we're studying verse by verse through this book. Our outline today is number one, the apostles' privileges, number two, the apostles' provision, and number three, the apostles' position. So let's begin here. Number one, I lay down my rights of the apostles' privileges, basically. Number one, the apostles' privileges. Let's go on here to 1 Corinthians. Uh, let's start off here, sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. It reads here, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? And are you not my work in the Lord? Now, as we begin here, Paul is asking, puts out four rhetorical questions. And obviously, they're all answered with yes. And the first one, he starts out here. Number one, is Paul an apostle? Am I not an apostle? Well, the answer is yes. He's an 
apostle. We know he wrote most of the New Testament. He's called by Jesus to be an apostle. The second rhetorical question, he says, am I not free? Yes, he is. What he means, just as any Christian, freedoms in Christ. He has liberty in Christ. Now, What's interesting is in the original Greek writing, it, it, actually this phrase comes first where Paul says, am I not free? And then the second one is, am I not an apostle? In the ESV translation, it goes that way. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? So if you look at it that way, chapter 9 connects to chapter 8 in context of all that we've been, we had studied back in chapter 8. Remember Paul ended chapter 8 with verse 13 basically saying even though he's free in Christ to eat that meat offered to the idols, Paul will not hold to that right so not to stumble those who are in their conscience feel it's not okay to eat that meat and all of that was a show of love. If you remember, we, we covered all of that last week. I encourage you to grab the CD if you missed it because really both of these chapters connect together. So with all of that in mind, Paul goes on now to say, hey, if there's anybody who has a reason or if there's anybody who has the right, it's him because he's an apostle. But Paul, and this is our theme here today, Paul chooses to lay down his Right. He's not going to push this issue. He's, he's okay eating the meat with the idols. It's nothing. You know, idols are nothing. Remember, we covered all that. But in love, not, he's not going to do it. So as we come into chapter 9, he's saying, hey, look, I get this right, but I'm going to lay it down. And that's what's going to unfold before us in our, in our passage today. Well, first, is, is Paul not free or Paul not apostle? Number three, the rhetorical question is, has Paul seen Jesus Christ? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? And the answer is yes. At his conversion on the road to Damascus, Jesus personally appeared to him, right? Acts chapter 9, which is one of the qualifications to be an apostle to actually have seen and visibly there, right there, Jesus Christ. And the last rhetorical question, number four, he says, are you not my work in the Lord? Are not the Corinthian believers that he's writing to, that church, are they not Paul's work? Yes. There's a church now in the middle of this wicked city of Corinth, and it's all because of the apostles' ministry. It's all because of what he's done there. So then he goes on now. Verse 2, if I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. In other words, he goes, even if some do not consider me an apostle, you Corinthian believers know without a doubt. It's doubtless I am to you. I am an apostle, for you are a seal of my apostleship. Now back then, in ancient times, uh, there was a seal placed, say, on a product. And that seal was proof of its authenticity. So the Corinthian believers themselves were the living seal, the authentication, <laughs> the authentication, I'm not saying that right, that Paul is an apostle because he was the one there. They recognized him that way. So all of this now Paul establishes that there should be no doubt he is one of the apostles who God has called. 
Adam said, yes, Paul was without a doubt an apostle in the early church, which put him in the same circle as the other apostles and entitled him to the same privileges. And this is what's coming out. This is what we're leading up to. So in establishing that, hey, you guys know I'm an apostle. You guys understand that I'm, a, I'm an apostle. Establishing that, Paul says this in verse 3. My defense to those who examine me is this. Verse 4. Do we have no right to eat and drink? So Paul goes on here. And he's saying, if anyone like examines, the word examines there could be questions like my privilege or right as an apostle. We'll hear this defense. We'll hear this response from me. Do we as apostles have no right to eat and drink? Well, what is he talking about? He, aren't apostles usually shown hospitality when we come into town? Then NLT uh, translation puts it, don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals. As you know, and we read, we've studied in the book of Acts that the apostles, they traveled around, right? And they, they, would, they would travel, preach the word, go from church to church, town to town. And as they traveled, especially in the ancient times, there was, there was like no real hotel or you know, no Marriott or anything like that that they could stay in. So the travelers stayed with family, with friends. And in this case, the apostles, when they came into town to speak, their food and their lodging was all taken care of by the church. They would stay in the, in the homes of the families of the people of the church who goes there. So Paul, he, he's like, hey, is it, you know, since I'm an apostle, and, and if anyone questions me, well, doesn't apostles, right? Don't, aren't we lodged? Aren't we shown hospitality? Galatians 6, 6 says, let him who has taught the word, share in all good things with him who teaches. Well, not only was food and lodging granted or hospitality given for apostles, I mean, that was just a customary normal thing, but also, look at verse 5. Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? So not only were they taking care of the apostles themselves, Paul's saying, hey, isn't it like with the apostles, the apostles' privilege, don't we have no right to take along our wife? Isn't that apostles' privilege that we can bring along the wife on these ministry trips? Now, we know as we've been studying, Paul is single, but he mentions, you know, like the other apostles do. Like, let's say, the brothers of the Lord. And who are they? They're the half-brothers like James and Jude, right? And then Cephas. Who's Cephas? Peter, remember? That's Peter, like Peter. And thus we see a, take note, Peter was married. Peter was married, though some don't believe that. Well, so it was common for apostles to travel with their wives, and it was common that they were also taken care of with this Christian hospitality. Now, you know, when uh, Faye uh, uh, comes from all, to, all, to get, all Things Possible Ministry, we're going to Oahu this Saturday or Friday to, to go into the facility. But, you know, when he comes over here to Maui and he comes to teach and all that, you know, we put him up. We offer him a room in our home and we feed him. And, and almost always his wife comes with him. Mona will come with. And so with Mona, you know, we charge her room and board. 
No, we don't, right? I mean, it's part of the package. She's part of the package. She comes supporting her husband. She comes, you know, praying for him. It's it's part of the whole package, uh, the man and and wife. Well, that's what Paul is saying. Hey, isn't it with the apostles? Even when the wife comes, you take care of them. You you give them food. You lodge them. I mean, it's exactly the same thing with me. Like uh, the times we've gone to Texas, Pastor Ron from Calvary Houston, you know, he comes here every year and speaks. You know, when we go over there, Kristen comes with me and they don't make her like, sorry, you can't stay in the house. You got to pay for your own hotel. No, you know, she's part of the, 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 the package or, you know, and all that. So it's the same idea here that Paul is talking about. And, and what this is really, it shows our love, our aloha, right, to both of them, right? Our appreciation, we're thankful for them taking the time and effort to come. And, and really, they bless us with their ministry, so we bless them back by taking care of them. Well, Paul goes on here, verse 6. He says, Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Paul's like, or, on the other hand, is it only Barnabas, you know, my pal, and me who has no right to stop working, even though we're apostles? Like, we, we got to provide for ourselves, you know? In other words, he's like, hey, if we choose to work, what we do, and pay our own way on these, like, missions trips, it doesn't mean we don't usually have that right. It doesn't mean we're not apostles. It doesn't mean we don't have that right to normal apostle hospitality if we so choose. We know that Paul's way to support himself was what? Making tents. He was a tent maker, Acts 18. In 1 Corinthians 4, we studied and we read in 4.12, Paul wrote, says, we labor working with our own hands. But that doesn't mean he's not an apostle. It doesn't mean he had no right to be honored as one. Paul's saying, hey, I'm still an apostle. And we'll see shortly. For him, he would lay down that right and, and pay his own way. So here's what Paul is saying. There's, in all of this, he's saying there's nothing wrong with apostles receiving hospitality as they travel to give the word of God. That, that, that's what he's just putting out here. There's nothing wrong with apostles receiving hospitality as they travel to give the word of God. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 5, 17 it says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. So it's good that we honor. It's good that we bless them. It's good that we show them hospitality. And even 1 Timothy 5, 17, that it should be double the honor. Now, the word honor here in Timothy 5, 17 is where we get our idea of a honorarium. Uh, honorarium, which is a, a gift, a compensation gift for services or something someone does, and you give them this honorarium for coming to speak. So these ministers are given basically this honorarium. Paul's like, there's nothing wrong with apostles receiving this hospitality or honorarium as they travel sharing God's word. You know, I was thinking about this when uh, Pastor Tommy comes, you know, from Okinawa, 
you know, Bible school there in Calvary Chapel, Ginoan. As you know, my son Justin is over there serving and teaching at the Bible school. Matter of fact, he's coming home next week, yeah, for Christmas. So we're, we're excited. But whenever Pastor Tommy comes here to Maui and, you know, he stays at our house like Faye, guys, and, and uh, uh, we feed him and all that. But, you know, many times you take him out for eat, right? We go eat, restaurant, and all of that. And, and so at the restaurant, I'm always battling. I, I'm with Faith, but with Tommy, it's funny. We always battle for it. No, we're going to pay. And he, he's, he's, he's like, no, 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 no. You guys, you know, no, no, we're going to pay. You know, it's, it's, it's our heart. You're our guest. You know, this is our island. And, you know, this is aloha. And this is our, our local style here like that. So, you know, we always pay, put him up and everything. So we take care of him. Then, after, like, he's shared here on Sunday morning, you know, afterwards and before he leaves, I give him an envelope with an honorarium, I call it, a, a, a check, a little bit of money to, you know, thank him, show our appreciation for speaking, and, oh, he gets, like, upset. He gets really stubborn about it. He goes, no, bro, you already did so much. You know, you let me stay at your house. no. No, and, and I try and find it, but I, I, I don't know why. I lose that battle. I lose that battle. But, you know, I was thinking about this, what Paul is saying and, and how, you know, it's not, there's nothing wrong with apostles receiving the hospitality when they travel and give the word of God. And, hey, I'm going to tell them next time, hey, Tommy, you're, you're going against God's word. First Timothy 5, 6, 17 says we should give you double honor, and this is the second honor I want to give you, you know, kind of thing. So, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that on him. But you know, when I go to Japan, he does the same, but he, I'm not going to let him use it on me. No. Just <laughs> anyway, Paul's establishing here, there's nothing wrong with apostles receiving hospitality. It's, it's just the way it is. It's just what's done when they travel and they give the word of God. I was thinking, you know what, let's you and I even get better at giving that hospitality to those who minister the word of God. And I'm not just talking about, we can apply this not just, you know, with our guest speakers and missionaries who come and all that. And I always try and do our best with that because of what we see in Scripture, because it's just, you know, right in our thankfulness. It's just our aloha, right? But you know what? I was thinking, let's even apply it to those, say, who teach in the Keiki Church, yeah? Our, our junior high teachers, our, our youth leader, or, you know, from, from them all the way to our missionaries and guest speakers because, hey, they are ministering the word of God. And so I was thinking, ah, oh, let's get better at that. Let's all get better at that. Many times the, the teachers back in Keiki Church, you know, they're, they're the forgotten ones. And, and many times, oh, they take care of the kids and we're all in here having fun and they're, they're with the... <laughs> you know, all that stuff going on. But, you know, they're laboring there too in the Word. So let's remember them and let's get better to honor them. And if God so leads, to give them double honor. Well, we've seen your number one, the apostles' privileges. The apostles' privileges. Let's go on to number two, the apostles' provision. The apostles' provision. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock. 
Well, here Paul continues on with some examples on why apostles or let's say ministers should be supported. And it's not just while they're traveling. He moves into this idea of a regular support for their ministry. And so he gives these examples. First, the soldier. Hey, it's not customary for a soldier who goes to war to pay for his own expenses. I mean, could you imagine that? Wouldn't that be hard if this soldier is going to fight for us, has to worry about, oh, what am I going to eat? Yeah. How am I going to find food? Uh, where am I going to find a place to stay? Or even more worse, if he has to buy his own ammunition and guns. You know, no, no, we, it's provided for for them they have provision no that that way you know they can focus on their mission someone said a uh, someone said distracted troops become defeated troops then he also throws in here how about the farmer the farmer as an example who plants a vineyard would it be right if he cannot eat a portion of his own fruit that he had worked so hard to produce or then he talks about the shepherd. How about the shepherd who tends to his flock? It would be wrong if he couldn't drink the milk of his goats for his own provision. So Paul puts out here, like the everyday examples that we know of, it's not wrong for the apostles to be provided for. He goes on in verse 8. Do I say these things as a mere man? In other words, am I just saying this from my own opinion? Or, verse 8, does not the law say the same also? Isn't, isn't this what the scriptures say? Verse 9, for it is written in the law of Moses, and he's quoting Deuteronomy 25.4, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. The oxen are allowed to eat some of the grain that they're crushing. And then Paul says in verse 9, is it oxen God is concerned about? I mean, did he really say this because he's so concerned for the ox is working? Is, is that the only thing God was thinking about when he said this? Verse 10, he says, or does he, God, say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, Paul says this, that this is written. It wasn't so much for the ox, but he was God was giving this analogy for ministers to be provided for. And then he says this interesting thing in verse 10. The second part, he says, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of this hope. So this is how, what Paul's saying. He's saying. This is the idea. God said this so ministers could, quote, plow and thresh in hope in other words they could look forward to a fair day's wage for a good day's work Paul's saying it's not carnal it's not wrong for an apostle to have normal compensation for what they do that's what he's talking about so ministers apostles it's all right if they're compensated. It's all right if they're provided for for the work or ministry that they do. A family I read about that hardly goes to church attended a Christmas service. On the way back to the car, the father just began to complain about the whole service. Ah, the singing was off key. The service was way too long. It went too long. And you know what? 
On top of that, the sermon was so boring. Then his boy piped up and said, but dad, what do you expect for a dollar? <laughs> Get what you pay for. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> well, if a pastor has to work for a living and also study for sermons and run the church, it's a lot. I've been there when we first started this church. I've been there. But you know what? From its earliest days, that's why the church realizes, realized it needed to support its ministers. We read that in Acts 6, right? How the, how the apostles decided it was too much for them to serve tables and study and preach the word of God. So they got other people to help out while they can focus on that. So Paul is saying here, so like what the Old Testament law says, it's not so much about muzzling the ox, but regular support for apostles is what God wants. Well, he goes on in verse 11 with this. He says, if we have sown spiritual things for you, it is a great thing if we reap your, is it a, a great thing if we reap your material things? Paul's saying, you know, if the apostles have done a work in spiritual things, isn't it great to be able to help them in material things? I mean, if you think about it, of all the people to support materially, shouldn't it be the one who helps us spiritually with the eternal truths of God? And then verse 12, he says, if others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more stop right there Paul's like adding to verse 11 he says you know if other ministers have this right to be supported by you shouldn't we who were directly responsible for your salvation be even more we know Paul planted that church there right Paul went into that city he started the spiritual work and they became believers and found salvation through Paul so shouldn't even more the ones who come there who, like Peter's been there, or Apollo's guys, yeah? Shouldn't they be supported? Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. So you see, Paul's establishing, hey, this, this, this provision, the apostles' provision, it's okay, it's right, yeah? But look what he says in the second part of verse 12. Nevertheless. We have not used this right, but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Oh, I love this. This is Paul's heart. We're getting a peek into who he is and what he's like. Paul says, hey, nevertheless, even though I have that right, you know what? I lay it down. I put it down. And he says, I endure. We endure. That word endure in the Greek means to bear in silence. He doesn't push it. He's just quiet about it. He's, he's not about pushing it. Hey, you got to provide for me. Hey, you know, where's the food? Where's that, you know, where, you know, where's my room? He doesn't push it. Because you know what? He doesn't want to make it about that. Because, it, because if it's about that, it could hinder the gospel of Christ. I love that. I love that. The idea of Paul is like, though we have the right, we choose not to push that right. So do not let it be an obstacle to the gospel. Now, you have to understand something, too, with Paul. It wasn't that he never took any support 
for his ministry. We know from 2 Corinthians 8 that he received help from the Macedonian churches. In Philippians 4.16, Paul wrote how he had received support from the Philippian church while he was in Thessalonica. And in 2 Corinthians 11.8, Paul said that he robbed basically other churches so he's able to minister in Corinth. So what's Paul saying? Paul's saying he hasn't gone to them, the Corinthian believers, to ask for money for provision and all this for himself. Well, why didn't Paul do that with the Corinthians, with the believers there? Well, first of all, generally, Paul, his ministry, it, it was more than any other apostle, his ministry took place in the Gentile territory. Remember, Paul is like the apostle to the Gentiles, right? The Jews, they were used to giving. That's what they did. That's their her heritage in that. So most of the time, Paul did not want the message be clouded with this money issue. But I believe there's a second reason Paul didn't go after the Corinthians and he say, nevertheless, I'm not, I have that right, but I didn't do that with you guys. I think the second re reason is the city of Corinth, right? Not only was it was this sexually wicked city that we've talked about, but it was a huge merchant city there's big business there a lot of money there and even with that people these false prophets prophets would go through and try and make money and so these guys are about i heard this the other day i like this gold girls and glory yeah they're about the money they're about the women they're about getting power and glory girl uh, gold girls and glory and they would lead believers astray and give a wrong impression so paul's like you know what I don't want to muddy things up here. Yeah? I don't want to cloud up things and, and, and kind of get, give a wrong impression of why I'm coming. So Paul laid down his right. Well, he goes on here to give some more proof. Paul had brought up the everyday examples, the Old Testament law. And next year, in verse 13 and 14, he brings up the Old Testament practice and the New Testament way. Look at verse 13. He says, Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, that's the Jewish temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Now, we've studied this in Leviticus and Numbers recently, and, and we understand it, you know, that as people give an offering of the sacrifice, a portion of that meat goes to the priest for them to eat. That was part of them helping to feed their family and all. So that was just the Old Testament law. Then he says in verse 14, Even so the Lord has commanded, that's Jesus, that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. So this is a New Testament way too. And here's one more proof that the apostles have the right to provision. Remember when Jesus was sending out the disciples out on their little first missionary journey out, you know, in a, and, and in Luke 10, Jesus gave these instructions. And one of the things he said in Luke 10, 7, he says, remain in the same house, like the one you go to, eating and drinking such things as they give for, and he said this, the laborer is worthy of his wages. Then Paul says in verse 15, he says, but I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things that it should be done so to me. For it would be better for me to die than that anyone should make my boasting void. 
So Paul, after all this, he declares that he has not used any of these things. He's, he's not pushed these things on the Corinthian believers, not at all. All the reasons we talked about, all that, that the apostles have that right for provision, even Old Testament law, the New Testament way, the Old Testament practices and the examples he gave of everyday life, he's not going to push that on the believers. No way. He's not going to do that. He says, also, you know what? Nor, has I, nor have I written these things that it should be done to me. In others, you know, I, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not writing this so that you would feel bad and that this would make you do that. You know, I love that he's writing there because that's exactly how I feel right now. <laughs> As I'm teaching this, I'm not saying all of this so you guys feel guilty and you got to give me more money. That's not what I'm saying, all right? So get that out of your minds. If you're here for the first time, that's not what we usually do here. We're just studying the scripture and as we go along, I'm just expounding it, all right? So, so I like that he's saying that here though. I'm not writing this so that you, I'm making you do this. No, no, no. That's not Paul's heart here. For he says, you know what? It would be better for me to die. I'd rather just die right now. And then he says that anyone should make my boasting void. Boasting, you translate that maybe with the word joy. So he's saying, I would rather die than lose the joy that I have when I preach the gospel to you guys, when I share the word to you guys. See, for Paul, it's not about the right, yeah, the privilege to be supportive, but it's all about reaching people for Jesus. That's what it's about for him. So he does want to confuse things here. I mean, he's saying, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm writing. Even though I'm saying all of this stuff, understand, yeah. I don't want to make my joy void. You know, I don't want to take away my, lose my joy because you know what? Preaching the gospel is what, it's about Jesus. That's what it's all about how many times have i heard someone say you know what i don't go to that church because all they do is talk about money all they do is ask about money and you know the sad thing there are churches that do that you know there's 20 minutes worship 10 minute sermon and the rest of the hour is given over to giving you got to give god wants you to give making you feel guilty all of that you notice here in our church, you know, in our church here, you guys have been coming. Here we do receive an offering. It's an opportunity to give. But other than that, I'm not going to sit there and harp on you guys at the end of the service. Now, before you leave, put some more money in the box. Yeah. Or we're short over here. Or we need this here. Or we're that, right? I'm not we're always harping on, on you guys about that, except for if it's in a passage or once in a while some special things. But other than that, I, I don't want to make church about you got to give. No, church is about who? Jesus Christ. And I, I, I do my best to teach you the Word of God so you can understand the Word of God, so you can connect to your Bibles and then connect to God himself. So Paul here, overall, he's saying the apostles' provision is of God, but Paul personally lays down that right for the sake of the gospel. The apostle's provision is of God. That's true. But Paul personally lays down that right for the sake of 
the gospel. Few years back, few years back, I read this article. This waitress was fired because of her complaining and the things that she wrote on Facebook. She had a bad Friday at the Texas Roadhouse restaurant, making only $60 in tips. She had expected customers to tip the standard 18%. I read that, I thought, is it 18 now? I thought it was 15. I guess it's gone up. So the standard 18%. She said this, I was mad. I had several people that night who were not tipping appropriately. That's not okay. That's what, she, that's what the article said. So in her anger, it resulted in her publicly calling a customer who came in a derogatory name in her post on Facebook. Crazy, huh? Publicly. Well, you know what? She was fired for violating the restaurant's policy on respect for others. An article went on to say that this waitress did know that that was wrong. He, she did know that. But you know what? She chose to post it anyway. Crazy, right? Crazy. Why did she do that? Well, she had a right, yeah, for the tips. She had a right to make so much money. Now, I thought a tip was a tip, not an obligation, right? But nowadays, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it kind of rolls into the required cost of the dinner, doesn't it? Especially if you have a large group, and I understand that, you know. And they, well, you know, you have a large group, they're like, hey, we're, we're going to put the, calculate the tip in there because you have a large group. Oh, yeah, yeah, good, yeah, fine. But now it's like an obligation, and that's all right. But it is so wrong to expect, to demand a certain amount. That, that's another thing, right? To demand that right. You know what? Paul, he's saying, you know the apostles' provision? Yeah, it's of God. But you know what? I personally, I lay down that right for the sake of the gospel. I'm not going to demand that. I'm not going to force that. I'm not going to get mad and go on Facebook and, oh, this church is so bad, yeah, and say things. No. What a heart. How about you today? Do you do the same thing? Demand your rights, yeah? Pushing your right all the while without thinking what kind of witness, yeah, are you leaving there? What kind of witness, you know? Is that really, you know, showing the light of Jesus Christ? I mean, I, I understand. I, I've done some things, and now I'm really embarrassed. But, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you, you expect some things. You go to a restaurant. You expect your food like that. Oh, you shorted me one French fry. What's wrong with you? You know, kind of thing. But, but you know, we, we can get all huffy over something. I paid for this, right? I paid for this meal, and I, I, I expect this. It's my right because I paid my money. So I need this. What's wrong with you guys, right? And we push all right, and I'm not saying we can't right a wrong. I'm not saying that, you know, we, we can't, hey, uh, you know what, uh, something's missing here or something. But, I should, but what I put out to you is, how do you do that, right? How do you do that? How do you, are you coming pushing your right? No, you know, I have a right to this. I have a right to that. You know, who are you to do that? I paid for this or I expected this. This is your job. You're not doing your job. I mean, how do you do that? Sometimes we come in acting like the alpha dog, yeah? Pushing, pushing. 
But is it really worth clouding your witness of Jesus Christ? Paul says, you know what? I have every right, the apostle's provision. It's, it's of God. I, I proved to you, yeah? But I'll tell you what. I personally lay down my right. Why? For the sake of the gospel. For the sake of the gospel. For Jesus Christ. Early in his ministry, Billy Graham was leaving uh, the stadium after he did a crusade in Atlanta. And, he, and this was early in his ministry, so he left uh, holding the offering bag, bags, you know, and he went to, to go deposit it in the bank. Well, unfortunately, a newspaper reporter took a picture of that and published it in the paper, and it looked really bad, you know. Here's an evangelist with all the money bags, you know, walk, running out of the stadium kind of thing. But he did nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with what he was doing. Well, there's nothing wrong. He had every right to carry the bags to the bank, right? But you know what he did from that? From what happened there, Billy Graham from that then on had someone else take the bag. Why? So not to muddy up the gospel, yeah? For the sake of Jesus. He could have stood his right. He could have come back and posted on Facebook, you know, the paper did this. These guys are horrible people. These guys should not have Jesus and go to that other place, right? He, he could have been real vicious about it because he was in the right. But what would, have, what would that have done when the next time he stood up in front of the people and shared the gospel? Yeah? It would have muddied everything there. Let's not do that. Let's not be like that. Well, let's move on here to number three, the apostles' position, our last heading, the apostles' position. Paul he said, I lay down my rights, and first of all, the apostles' privilege. Secondly, the apostles' provision. And now number three, the apostles' position. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity it is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. All right, Paul's moving on here, and Paul says, though, you know, I have joy in sharing the gospel, you know, it's not really for that joy that I actually preach the gospel. I get joy from sharing and sharing the word, but, 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 the, but it's, that's not the reason. That joy is not the reason why I preach the gospel. He says the, the reason it's but for necessity is laid on him. Necessity, a better word, probably I'm compelled. Yeah. The, I'm compelled. That, that, that motive is I'm compelled, put upon me to share Jesus. Why? From God's call. I've been compelled from the Lord to do this. That, that's why I do this. Not just so I get a good feeling when I preach the gospel, I have this joy. No, it's because God called me to that. And he says, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. He, basically, I'm beside myself if I cannot preach Jesus. Don't you love that heart? Oh, I want that, you know. I want that heart of, oh, I just want to share Jesus with people. It's about Jesus. I want them to know the salvation. I want them to know forgiveness. I want them to know they can go to heaven. I want them to know you can have new life and you can be healed and freed from your sin. I love that heart. Paul preached because he could not hold back the deep call of God to share Jesus. That's what he's saying here. Jeremiah said that in Jeremiah 20, verse 9, he said, But his word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. Just like Jeremiah. 
So then Paul says in verse 17, For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. Now, the, the New King James is a little strange here, but basically he's saying, if I do this willingly, like if I preach Christ by my own initiative, then yeah, I should have a reward. But he says, but if against my will, or if, if, if I didn't choose this, but God called me, then you know what? This calling, this mission was given to me. It was entrusted to me with this stewardship, with this responsibility. You know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, hey, for me, this is not a job that I chose to do. I didn't, you know, look in a book and say, well, what kind of degree should I have in college, you know? What kind of job would I like? Well, maybe this or that. It wasn't him at all. He did none of that. It was not a job he decided to do, but God picked him to work this mission. Then verse 18, what is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge. That I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. So Paul's like, hey, what, what's my reward? What's my compensation? You know what that is? God chose me. I didn't pick it like a job, so I, I don't really need a reward or, you know, a pay here. But God chose me. But you know what my reward is? What is my reward? He gets to do what he loves to do, which is preach the gospel. And he preaches it without charge. I love that. The gospel is free is given free because it is free, right? It's a gift. And his heart, he says at the end of verse 18, is I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. What does he mean? He goes, he doesn't want to use that right, yeah? That position, his authority by demanding his right to be supported by those he's witnessing to. Paul did not use his position to hold his rights over the heads of those he was ministering to. In the Bible, we see the opposite. We just studied this on Wednesday night in Numbers, right? In Numbers 22 through 24, Balaam, the pagan prophet, right? The Moabite king Balak offered Balaam money to curse Israel. That was his reward. That was his paycheck. Paul's like, I'm not using my position for that. Paul did not use his apostle position for a paycheck, to push a paycheck. It was enough to just do what he loved to do. Paul did not use his apostle position to push for a paycheck. It was enough to just do what he loved to do. And what's that? Share Jesus. On this documentary called The First 50 Years of the NBA, uh, in the middle of this documentary, one of the old-time players commented and said this, the team owners were the dumbest people on earth. They paid us a salary, but they didn't have to. We would have played for free, right? Why? Because they love the game. They just love the game. That's Paul's heart. He didn't use his apostle position to push a paycheck. You got to support me. It was enough to just do what he loved to do, and that's share Jesus. Some people go into ministry for the position. Some people go with, well, you know what? I, I, can't, I don't know what else to do, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll become a, a minister, yeah, kind of thing. Spurgeon said, if you can do anything else, do that. You know, do that. 
Do you want to be in ministry just so you have a position? Some want to. They desire that job. They want to give order, or orders. They want to be looked up to. But being in the ministry, serving God in positions, it, it's not something we choose. God chooses that. God, you know what? He's looking for people who don't love those things, really, in reality. They just love sharing Jesus. Well, he goes on here, and this is our last part. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19, he says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I may win the more. So, okay, Paul's bringing this all together here in this last section, and it's really important. He's bringing it all together, and he begins with, you know, though I'm free from all men. In other words, I have this freedom in Christ. I, I have this liberty, this Christian liberty. You know, I, I, I can use my authority as an apostle to get things done. I can use that. Yeah, I have that right. But I have made myself a servant of all. He takes the humble road. Servant of all in the original language of Greek, you know what it is? I enslave myself, doulos. It's the same word he used in Acts chapter 6 when it was, dis or uh, the writer used in Acts chapter 6 describing Israel's 400 years of bondage to the Egyptians. He places himself under bondage as a servant, not this high makamaka position. Paul is willing to put aside his rights so that what he might win more to Jesus Christ. Paul is willing to trade his God-given rights for the opportunity to affect a person's eternal destiny. Where did this come from? What a great heart. What is that? You know what? You know where it came from? His Lord, his Savior, Jesus. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. How powerful is that? So rather than use the apostle's position, Paul makes himself a servant, and so he explains that in verse 20. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. Those who are under the law is the Jews who follow the law. That was their whole thing. Then Jesus came and said, no, I fulfilled the law. You, you, you don't have to do the law to please God anymore. You don't have to do the law to get into heaven. I have purchased your salvation when I died on a cross. But Paul comes in. He goes into the synagogue as a fellow Jew. Remember, Paul was Jewish. He was actually a Pharisee. And as a fellow Jew, he comes into the synagogue. What does he do? He shared Jesus. Paul is saying this. I brought the message of Jesus and I adapted to their culture. He, he comes in. He keeps the message the message. He doesn't change that. But he adapts himself to the culture. And he knows very well. He's a Jew. Then he says in verse 21, to those who are without the law, as without the law. Who's without the law? Well, it's everyone else in the world. Gentiles. And so he comes in, and he comes in like them, like a, adapting to their culture, uh, like the Gentiles. But he puts a little note here he says, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. What he means is, I didn't come in and compromise God's principles, you know, his laws. I didn't just, well, I'm going to be a Gentile. You know, to the Jews, Jews, I'm going to be a Jew. But to the Gentiles, I'm going to go and drink and party and do all what they do. No, that's not what he's saying. No, 
I did not compromise God's principles, but I balanced that with my freedom in Christ, Christ's law, the liberty we have in Christ. All that I might win those who are without the law. So Paul brought the message to the Gentiles, adapted without compromise. Then he says in verse 22, to the weak I became as weak that I might win the weak. Pause right there. So he comes now to the weak and he, what is he talking about? This reference back to chapter 8, verse 7, th those who are weak in their conscience, right? those who are not okay to eat the meat, those who are struggling with the old sins, those who are spiritual, spiritually weak. He's like, you know what? I can't come in. And I help them. I come in not like bearing down on them or I don't come in like being all loose and have them stumble, last week's message. No, I come in like them to help them. Paul brought love and adapted without pushing his freedom. Listen, Paul's not talking about compromise. He's not talking about being a hypocritical chameleon. He's not a man pleaser here. He's not a manipulating politician but he's a loving ambassador. Paul did not come in heavy and believe what I believe or I'm not going to accept you. No, you know what his approach to the Jew, to the Gentile, and the spiritual weak? was building a bridge. It was building a bridge. It was earning the right to preach, to share Christ with them by earning respect so they would not reject the message. It, it, it was coming in to open the heart by caring for the person more than what I have to say to you. It's, it's coming in being a servant, a willing servant, and meet them at their, on their level, not forcing them up to yours, but building a bridge. Remember, like we saw last week, it's not about how much Paul knew, but it's about how much they felt loved. Remember, 1 Corinthians 8, 1 says, Knowledge puffs up, love edifies. So with all of this, he says in verse 22, he finishes the verse saying, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. He, he wants to become all things. He wants to relate to the guys and break through those social walls that have been put up. In verse 23, now this I do for the gospel's sake, just as he's been saying, that I may be partaker of it with you. So he could partake in the joy of the Corinthian believers even coming to be saved in Jesus. So our last point for this morning is this. Paul laid down his right of authority as apostle to become a servant. All things to all men so others would be saved. Paul laid down his right of that authority, his position of an apostle to be a servant and become all things to all men. We've seen that, right? We, we've seen like how a, a surfer can win another surfer to Jesus or how a fisherman can relate to another fisherman and they share Jesus or a diver to a diver, a musician to musician, how they build that bridge. That's the idea of what Paul is saying here, to become all things to all men. You know, traditionally we see the church and Christians, you know, too, they take that knowledge of truth and they become either an isolator or an imitator. Think about that. 
Traditionally, Christians will do this. Take that knowledge and they become an isolator. I, they isolate themselves from the world. They're a constant criticizer and judger. Oh, you guys are evil. You guys are wicked. And they pull away from the world. Or traditionally, many Christians or churches become imitators, trying to relate too much. And they are careless compromisers with their life. But what Paul is saying don't be an isolator. Don't be an imitator, but be an infiltrator. I like that one. Yeah? Meeting people at their level, relating to them culturally, loving them to Jesus Christ. Paul said, I lay down that right of authority as an apostle so I can be a servant, to be all things to all men so they would be saved. Paul made a bridge so to cross over and bring others to Jesus. But how about us today? How about you today? Are you making a wall? Making enemies? Right? Because if you're right, holding your ground, you know, perhaps you've grown up and, and, and you're a fighter, yeah? And, and you know, you're not going to allow anything to go on. You're not going to. But look at Paul. He was a zealous Pharisee fighting for for what he believed was right, even grabbing Christians and throwing them in jail. Yeah. But now he's saying, you know what? I lay all that down. I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to be all things to all men. Perhaps you, you, for you, you know, your mind is more black and white, logical. If A and B is C, then that's what it is. That's it, you know. And, and for someone to not understand that, and not get it, get it. You're like, what? What's wrong with you, you know? This is right. You're wrong. Come on, get to it. Yeah. But Paul's saying, hey, you got to lay that right down. Yeah, it's true. But remember, love edifies. Yeah? Be a servant. Be all things, all men. Be understanding. Don't just speak your mind without thinking how it affects the other person. Well, it's my right. Right? No. Is it really right? Is this what God is really calling us to do? No. We are to lay down our right and become all things to all people and be a servant so others would get saved. Remember I mentioned the other week the missionary Amy Carmichael to India? Remember she brought thousands of orphans to Jesus Christ? Well, at first when she went there, it was really hard for her. The, the people in India were really closed off. You got to understand it was under British control. So they, you know, people of India didn't like the British at all or anything. And they stayed away. Everyone was separate. The British lived in one area. The, the India people lived in another area. Well, you know what? When Amy Carmichael wasn't able to reach the people she came for, you know what she did? She broke away from that. She got a sari, the Indian dress, right? And she went in lived right in the middle of where they lived. Did you know other missionaries looked down on her like, how could you do that? What are you doing living over there? But that opened the door. My favorite, one of my, well, my favorite missionary really is Hudson Taylor. He went to China. And in a similar way, he had a hard time breaking into the culture there reaching the people, speaking to them. Matter of fact, they, in, I don't know the Chinese word, but they would call any, you know, white person a, f a foreign devil. That's what they call them, a devil. They, they wouldn't even 
talk to him. They stayed away. You know, so you know what he did? He got rid of his English coat and his English dress and he went to the barber, he cut his hair and he actually bought a wig with a cue on it, you know, the braided long, long hair piece. And he got a, a Chinese robe and he started to go out and then people started to open up. These guys learned a language. These guys made a bridge to bring them to Jesus Christ. Did you know this is the kind of approach that has changed the world? Did you know that it's this kind of people who have crossed cultures, broken down the walls, the walls of unbelief? Did you know it's this kind of people who bring Jesus to those who would never have ever accepted him? Did you know that that's what God is calling us to be? That that's what a true believer looks like? I'll close with this. There was a missionary who worked in the jungle of Dutch New Guinea, and as a hobby, he raised pineapple. But every time they were just about ripe, the natives, the locals, would come and steal them. The missionary got very angry and closed the trading store he had, he had opened for, for the locals there. Finally, he, had come, he came to a conference in the United States. God convicted him about his anger about all that and how he was reacting, how in his anger he was reacting to the very people he was trying to reach. He decided to, you know what, give up his rights to the pineapple garden and give everything to God. When he went back to the people there, they noticed that he didn't get angry anymore. They noticed he willingly gave away the pineapple and he opened the store. And then you know what? The people there in New Guinea, the locals came to him and they asked him this question. When did you become a Christian? I think it's time that we all grow up here. Stop acting like toddlers. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Oh, me demanding things my way, throwing tantrums. When I don't get it, I'm gone. Yeah, I think it's time we all say with Paul, I will lay down my rights. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you shine light, God, on our sin, on our weaknesses, on things that we have allowed to go on in our lives, Lord. I thank you, God, that through this passage and through the writings of Paul and by getting a glimpse of his heart, Lord, that this is, we can see what we should be. Lord, let this goal, God, be something we go after, not just walk out of here and think, yeah, okay, one day. But let us, Lord, make the effort, Lord. Put our mind to it, God. And may you put a fire in our heart, God, that we will live for you and nothing else. Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, we're sorry. We're, forgive us, God. For so many times, holding to our rights, and it only confuses the gospel, Lord. Holding to our rights that make us and make you be put in a bad light. But God, let us be servants, all things to all men, and become everything you want us to be. Help us today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all